You're listening to The Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 in Tuscaloosa. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tide or Insider TV, Crimson Tide Kickoff, play-by-play for Alabama sports, and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. Welcome to the Gary Harris Show for this uh, Halloween Tuesday, October 31, 2023. Also, Nick Saban's 72nd birthday. So happy birthday to the coach. Happy Halloween, everybody. Beautiful weather this morning and nice and chilly. I'm actually in a hoodie and some sweatpants and uh, feels good. Feels good outside. I mean, crisp and brisk and the way it's supposed to feel. It felt good having to walk outside in in a hoodie with a T-shirt underneath and a you know pair of... Uh, joggers pants and you know just uh seasonal so anyway it's a good day a lot to cover on the program this morning that is for sure we are going to be busy 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 with guests with phone calls with topics and uh, everything else i'm gary harris joined of course by justin jones he's manning the controls taking your phone calls on the first of main condos hotline at 205-342-9904 noah haynes hanging out with us as well and uh, we're ready to go. This first hour of the Gary Harris Show is always being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union, member-owned and not-for-profit. It's just a better way of banking. I encourage you to find out more at alabamacu.com. That's alabamacu.com. Find out uh, the benefits of membership over just being a customer at a bank. They are plenty. And right now, there are a lot of good deals going on. Low interest auto rates, high-yield certificates of deposits, Credit cards with low APRs. You can find it all at alabamacu.com, Alabama Credit Union. Loans for real life. Some rules and restrictions do apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. And put a little extra change in your pocket. All right, let me tell you what we got on tap for today. Like I said, it's going to be a busy one. At 9.30, we'll be talking ball with the Rocket Man, Drew Armand from 977 ESPN Radio in Huntsville. At 10 o'clock, it's time for another legal segment from Patterson Comer Law Firm. And Paul Patterson will have a special guest, J.R. Krebs, in studio this morning. As he'll join Paul to discuss trial strategy and how to win your car accident case every time. Stay tuned for that at 10 o'clock. Then at 1030, it's the Titans report with Kayla Anderson out of Nashville. Can't wait for that as more of the Titans uh, inserted Will Levis in the lineup against the Falcons. Will Levis came through with four touchdown passes, three to DeAndre Hopkins revitalized Tennessee's offense. It looks like Derrick Henry will now not be traded, and the Titans feel like they've got a chance now. It looks like with uh, Will Levis, who's expected to start again on Sunday, we'll have all the latest on the Titans from Kayla Anderson. Also, we're going to get going here in just a moment with some news that uh, has just gone uh, viral over the uh, Internet from Dabo Sweeney, former Alabama football player, 1992 national championship wide receiver under Gene Stallings, and, of course, the very successful coach, at uh, Clemson University, where, as he reminded a caller last night, he has um, done a lot of things there at Clemson that had never been done. But this is a this is fascinating that he would uh, kind of get into it with the, one of his callers the way he did. I've got mixed emotions on it, you know. I, in some ways, I'm glad to you know that Dabo told the kid off. At the same time, he's a caller to a radio show, and it does seem a little juvenile to allow him to get under your skin and he was trying to be respectful when he did it and i get you know Dabo's response to some degree but boy he just went off on the kid and uh 
We're going to have it for you. Also, Nick Saban had his Monday press conference ahead of the LSU game. We're going to have some of those clips as well. Last night on Monday Night Football, Jameer Gibbs uh, got the, you know, the Montgomery, the regular starter, is out. I don't know how you don't start Jameer Gibbs every game. I mean, with what he did last night, he did some special stuff. He became the only Lions rookie um, to produce 125-plus scrimmage yards and a TD in consecutive games uh, since Kevin Jones in 2004. That's 19 years. He joins Kevin Jones, really good player, Barry Sanders, the best ever, and Billy Sims, dynamic running back, as the only Lions rookies to produce 125 scrimmage yards and a TD in consecutive games. Now, that's, that is elite company in Detroit. Billy Sims, Barry Sanders, Kevin Jones, and Jameer Gibbs. He went off last night against the Raiders and had a phenomenal game. And this guy, I'm telling you, there's one thing when I look back at last season that I'm going to, as as somebody who follows out football, not be able to figure out. That was the fact that Jameer Gibbs was good, but he should have been in the Heisman race. I mean, he is that talented. 26 carries, 152 yards last night, five receptions for 37 yards. And last year, that team with Will Anderson Jr., Bryce Young, and Jameer Gibbs did not make it into the SEC championship game. Those two last play of the game losses, you know, robbed that team of an opportunity to play for a national championship. And I'm telling you what, they had the, the weapons. And I, I've always thought Jameer Gibbs was special. Remember the remember the game last year against Arkansas? I mean, he's got he's got a special gear now. I know he only spent one year at Alabama, two at Georgia Tech. He said after the game <clears throat> he will be in Tuscaloosa this weekend for uh, the Alabama LSU game as a number of uh, teams are on by, including the Lions. So, but he was so good at college, and he's just you know you don't have many players like this at Alabama, but he's one of those that I just. Uh, I just feel like that they didn't get everything out of him they could have gotten out of him. And I know there were other good backs and how that how that works, but I'm just going to tell you right now that uh, Jameer Gibbs has got a special gear, and people saw it last night in prime time on Monday Night Football. Uh, one of the better performances that a Lions running back has had in some time, and like I said, as a rookie, to be on that list with Kevin Jones, Barry Sanders, and, and – uh, Billy Sims is special indeed. All right, we're off and running here on the Gary Harris Show. We're going to go ahead and hit the break a little early because I want to have some time for phone calls, and I also want to come back, and I want to play the Dabo question and response in full from the Clemson Sports Network because there are shorter versions, but I think you need to hear the question because the young man who, um, you know, he stated his case, and it wasn't like he called in screaming or ranting or acting Rude. He just had some stuff that Dabo didn't want to hear, and Dabo kind of unloaded on the kid. So we're going to play that when we come back on the other side of the break. This is the Gary Harris Show. This hour being brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Member owned and not for profit. It's just a better way of banking. It's nine oh nine. Gary Harris, Justin Jones, and we'll be back with Dabo Sweeney's response to a caller last night on his radio show, where Dabo got uh, wow. You just have to hear it for yourself. We'll have it next. Hi, Barry Buckner here, and I. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. We'll forecast a clearing sky today, cool and breezy, the high 57. A freeze warning in effect tonight, clear with the low at 31. For tomorrow and Thursday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow 53, Thursday's high at 61. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 45 degrees in Tuscaloosa. As much as Innisfree has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meat and 3 special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and 3 vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup Salad or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. Los Roscos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Roscos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big-screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Roscos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Roscos with locations in Tuscaloosa and Northport. Life doesn't wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership, then join today and feel good about your money. You see him on WVUA 23 covering sports and on Tider Insider TV on Tuesday nights. Don't miss a minute of the Gary Harris Show. Weekdays from 9 to 11 on Tide 100.9. 9 12. Welcome back to the Gary Harris Show here on Tide 100.9 FM. 1230 AM WTBC, and uh, we're going to get that Dabo Sweeney audio for you so you can hear it for yourself, and, and we've got the, um, Justin's got the full version with the question. Tyler from Spartanburg is the caller, and it's just like, you know, Hey Coach, the Nick Saban Show. It's uh, Tiger Talk. They run it on Monday night. It uh, promotes Clemson fans an opportunity to have the uh, to talk directly to their head coach. He's joined by their broadcaster Don Munson, and uh, <clears throat> we're going to get to that in just a moment. First, though, we're going to jump on the first of Maine Condos hotline and welcome Philip into the program. Good morning, Philip. Hey, good morning, Gary. Hope you're doing good and avoiding this crud that's going around. So far, so good. I need to avoid it. I can tell you that. Well, it's rough. I can tell. I can tell you, it's rough. Well, I'm sorry, you got um, it. Yeah, you know, I'm. I'm getting. I'm trying to get over the hump by tending to my normal, normal stuff. But I was going to tell you, I meant to. I meant to mention this to Barry and Wimp a little while ago when I called this show, but I forgot to. Um, I'll tell you a story. To me, in college football, it's pretty doggone good. It's a, It's amazing, really. And I don't think anybody would have thought this in August. But Northwestern's four and four. They've they've got a shot, in my opinion, to definitely be two, be six and six at the end of the season, which is an unbelievable accomplishment considering all that they went through. But you know, if they can all, if they could knock off Iowa this weekend and and Wisconsin, which I think are both doable, very doable. 
And, and if they were to win going out and they win in the season eight and four, that's incredible. Well, even at um, even at four wins, it's incredible what what they've been able to do. And um, you know, you're talking about a program that was in shambles, really. And to have an opportunity to, to be competitive the way that they have. David Braun, the interim coach, who had just been brought in, he was in his first year as the defensive coordinator. Uh, you know, he, he had, he had come over from, you know, uh, FCS powerhouse, North Dakota State to be the defensive coordinator and suddenly finds himself as the head coach and has done a, you're right, has done a fantastic job with that. That team beating Maryland the way they did this last uh, this last weekend. I'm gonna see. I pulled up their schedule. They've got losses to Rutgers, Duke, Penn State, and Nebraska. And the game in Nebraska very competitive. They've got wins mm-hmm. over UTEP, Minnesota, which is a phenomenal win, Howard, which is expected, but still. And then the win over Maryland. So you're absolutely right. Now, I don't think they'll beat. I, I don't think Iowa and Wisconsin are as doable as you say. I, I think they may have a shot at Purdue. Uh, then they wound it up, you know, against Illinois. But if they got to six wins, the guy to be considered for coach of the year. Oh, you're doggone right. I mean, what he's done is unbelievable to me. And that's a, uh, one, that is a positive story this year. And, and he's not getting any, any mention. Everything's about, Colorado and Dion or, or something else like that. But um, but this guy's done a fantastic job. And from what I saw out of Wisconsin the other night, you know, I don't know. Yeah, I, they're playing I Ohio State. State. I mean, I, listen, you know, you may be right. I don't – I I think Wisconsin's a better football team than Northwestern. Uh, mm-hmm. But uh, but I, Purdue's not very good. And, you know, in yep. Illinois, is a rivalry game in Illinois is not great. So, uh, yeah. you know, there may be – there may be a – you know, again, you 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 might be right. I mean, you called Missouri, and we'll of course the tell the telltale <laughs> sign was for Missouri is going to be this Saturday. Now we're going to find out for sure. What? Oh yeah, we're uh, you know that's um at one time that line was sixteen. I thought it was a little high. Now it's down around thirteen. It's probably leveling out to where that is going to end up. But you know, Missouri's got a good quarterback, and but um, Georgia's rolling right now. I I think Georgia's clearly playing some some very good football, and I, I just don't see anybody touching them the rest of the year. All right, good call, Philip. Hey, take care, Gary. Thank you. Good to hear from you. All right, let's get to this uh, Dabo Sweeney, and again, it's um, on his Tiger Calls radio show last night, and he took a call from Tyler from Spartanburg, who kind of slowly and eloquently laid out why Dabo Sweeney is making eleven and a half million dollars to go four and four, and Dabo was not a very, uh, let's say, happy about how it was presented to him, and he let the caller know it. Here we go. Why are we paying you eleven point five million dollars to go four and four? And it's not just this year; it's been it's been, you know, just the refusal to accept. All right, all right. What's this guy's name? Tyler. Hey, Tyler. I've, I've listened this to Tyler. enough of you, Tyler. Listen, uh, you can, you can have all your opinions that you want. All right. I don't know how old you are. Don't really care. All right. But let me tell you something. Um, we won 11 games last year, and you're part of the problem. To be honest with you, because that is part of the problem. 
It's people like you that do that. All you do is ex- the appreciation. The expectation is greater than the appreciation. Mm. And that's the problem. And so, you know, we've won 12 10-plus win year, seasons in a row. That's happened three times in 150 years. So if you want to know why, Clemson ain't sniff a national championship for 35 years. We've won two in seven years. And there's only two other teams that can say that, Georgia and Alabama. Okay? Is this a bad year? Is this a – Yeah. And it's my responsibility. Take 100% responsibility for it. But all this bull crap you're thinking, all these narratives you read, listen, man, you can have your opinion all you want. And you can apply for the job. And good luck to you. All right? But to answer your question, all right, we're second in draft picks. We've graduated 98% of our guys. We're second in wins. All right? We, we, if you, you'd want to know why, again, I'm telling you, we're not perfect. There's a lot of teams that, you know, Frank Howard never had a bad year. Coach Ford never had a bad year. Nobody, Coach K never had a bad year in basketball. People have a bad year. But the part of the problem is the appreciation. I used to tell people all the time, they'd say, what's the difference in Clemson? Let me tell you, at at some places there's an expectation, but at Clemson there's an appreciation. And what's happened at Clemson is, is, We've won so much that even when we, it used to be the funds and the winning. Now, even when you win, people like you complain and criticize the coaches and question everything. People like you, all right, when I hired Tony Elliott to be the offensive coordinator who never called a play in his life, I'm sure you were critical then, all right, and he took us to two national championships. People like you who just love to to destroy people with your comments, all right? I'm sure you've never made any bad decisions. I'm sure you've lived a perfect life. I'm sure you've never, I'm sure you've led a bunch of people. I'm sure you do your job in front. So to answer your question, I started as the lowest paid coach in this freaking business, all right? And I'm where I am because I've worked my ass off every single day. And I ain't going to let some smart-ass kid get on this phone and create this stuff. So if you got a problem with that, I don't care. All right? It, I work for, for the Board of Trustees, the President, and the AD. And if they're tired of me leading this program, all they got to do is let me know. I'll go somewhere else where there is an appreciation. All right? It's not just winning. It's how you win. And we are in a – this is a tough year. But we've had 12, 12, 10-plus win seasons in a row. 12. We lost to Tennessee last year. They won 11 games for the first time in like 20 years. We've had 8-11 win seasons in, in whatever, 11 years or whatever. We've won two national championships. Clemson went 35 years. All right, probably since before you were born your whole freaking life. And we've won two in seven years. And we earned it. And we beat the best of the best to do it. The best of the best. 12 10-plus win seasons. So if you want to know why, that's why. Am I perfect? Nope. I'm far from it. I am, a, and I am a man of faith. Absolutely. All right. I'm 53 years old, and there ain't one thing in my life. I, now I have I have been a part of failure many times, but there ain't one thing in my life that I've ever failed at, Tyler. Never. All right. Ever. I wanted to get an education. I got two degrees. I wanted to be the first college of my graduate with my family. I did it. I wanted to go play football in Alabama. I earned a scholarship, letter three years. 
Worked my ass off. Won a national championship. I wanted to get into coaching. I worked my way to being a head coach. And when I got this job, and I'm sure you didn't want me to get this job, all right, and 15 years later, I'm still here, and I'd say the results are what they are, and I stand on them. So you don't ever have to call back. I, I, I wanted to get married. I've been married for going on 30 years. I wanted to be a father. I've raised three great sons. If you don't like how I run the program, don't be a fan. I don't care. But I'm the head coach, and I'm going to do what I believe is right for the long term of this program, what's best for the players, and what I think is best for the moment. If you got a problem with that, that's fine. But you're not, I'm not going to sit here and let you call. I don't give a crap how much money I make. You ain't going to talk to me like I'm, like I'm 12 years old. You'd be freaking kidding me. Why are we paying? Well, there you go. And that is the incomplete response from Dabo. Uh, we didn't hear all of the question. The kid, I say kid, he, he said he had been overseas and, and, uh, he initially called in explaining that he appreciated all that Dabo had done, um, but that he wasn't in the 1.5%. I guess he's talking about fans or something that he said he'd been, he and his family had been going to games since long before Dabo was the coach and they loved Clemson and, uh, he appreciated what he had done, but he said that the Dabo had changed and that, you know, the Dabo that took the job wasn't the same Dabo. He compared him to Tommy Bowden in terms of arrogance and, um, so there was even more that went into the question, but you got you got the response from Dabo. And Justin, I'm curious, I mean, and part of me says, Yeah, he told the, the kid off, but part of me says, Man, I mean, really? You are making eleven and a half million dollars. You're the head coach of a program that, that's won two national championships in the last seven years. You are behind Alabama as the only you know, with draft picks. And for you to to lose your cool like that, um, I don't know. I got mixed feelings about it. I mean, I understand the frustration because that that was the picture that he was painting. Look at where we were at when I got the job and look at where we're at now. But he said it. Uh, you know, at most schools, there's expectations at Alabama. I mean, at the Clemson, there's appreciation. But you change that when you win big. You know, I, I somebody told me last night, they're talking about Alabama fans. Alabama fans don't don't appreciate it. And I said, well, you know what? They do and they don't. And this happens at Clemson. It happens. It's happening at Georgia. When the, when you're just getting going, even at Alabama, after they've been down for a few years when Saban got here, there's so much appreciation. There's so much excitement. There's so much buy-in. There's so much just man alive. This is unbelievable. But you do get spoiled. I, I compare it somewhat, Justin, to a first generation uh, wealthy man, a guy who grew up with nothing but became a, a, a self-made millionaire. And I've seen this actually from people. And then he has kids. And you know what? He does everything he can to not make sure those kids have an appreciation and try not to spoil them and talk about the work ethic. But you know what happens often? Those kids are spoiled. Because even though that man has the best intentions, he still doesn't want his kids to be out there struggling so he gives them the fruits of his labor and i'm not saying in all cases but in some cases those kids don't grow up with the same appreciation for things the way that their dad did and that happens to fan bases uh when you're winning um 
you don't necessarily have the same appreciation as fan bases that are losing. And it but it does become the expectation. That's what makes Nick Saban so amazing. As he's fed that that monster every year and you know, since his first year, um has not dipped under 10 wins. And Clemson's 4-4. Four and four. I think they're 2-4 and four in their league. I think they're in 10th place in the ACC. And they're struggling. And, you know, Coach, you know, Sweeney Dabo should know that. I mean, you're not going to, particularly with the frustration with the portal and NIL and how the fan base believes that they're behind. So that is out there. Clearly, it could have been handled by... A caller differently. The caller could have said it came, called in and said, Hey man, what do we do? But the guy did try to sound respectful. You didn't hear the entire question. And then Dabo just unleashed on him. What, what are your thoughts, Justin? I think you're, you broke it down pretty good, Gary. I think it's a standard. Dabo's mad at the standard he created. He wants to give them all these wins. He wants to, you know, not that he coined the term, but their dynasty. He at one point they were up there with Nick Saban and, and Alabama, right? And now it's it's not so much. But also, I hope Dabo understands this isn't a minority of Clemson fans. A lot of Clemson fans are going, Coach, what are we doing? You're we we're not using the transfer portal and and we're losing games because of it. I think that, like you said, the reaction probably could have been better. Maybe the question could have been better as well. I don't know if you comment on somebody's living and you know salary like that but well he also pointed out that you know he said coach i know you're a man of faith and and he i mean he tried to handle it well again i i see both sides i do see Dabo saying what man one 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 year at four and four and you but i also like you said you built the program to that point where there it's not about appreciation anymore it is about expectations and the expectations are that you're not going to go four and four and like it or not, this is a microwave society that we live in, and, and Dabo should know that dealing with players. I mean, year to year, you know, because a player was good last year, if there's a guy who comes in and is better, oftentimes that guy wins the job. That's just the way it is. It's not, you know, and, and Dabo's asking for equity. He's asking for, hey, I let, let me tell you what I've done here, if you don't remember, <clears throat> and let me lay it out for you. So I should be allowed to go four and four or whatever it turns out to this year, whether it's six and six or five and seven or seven and five. And listen, he will be allowed. He'll be, you know, nobody's going to fire Dabo Sweeney at, you know, what he's done. But he didn't like being called out for the way this season has gone. And he responded in a fashion that, you know, seemed a little petty to me. Um, so it, what it tells me is, and he said, hey, if they, you know, if I work for the board of trustees and the president, if they don't like it, I can go work somewhere else. That marriage at Clemson might be, might be nearing an end. I think it's a real, it's a culmination of things. We've seen, well, this past Saturday after their loss to NC State, he's talking about, oh, it was a good run. It was a good run. Uh, you know, we'll start another streak. But then also, you know, he reportedly told DJ Uangalele. Yeah, hard name there. <laughs> but told him to transfer out because he wasn't going to win the starting job. That's and right. He's, and he's playing great. At Oregon State. He's yeah, it happens, great. man. It's, 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 it's the way it goes. Anyway, we're going to get to the break and we'll come back. We'll ask Judy Armin about it and more with the Rocket Man, Alabama LSU basketball talk and more coming up next right here on the Gary Harris Show on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Built to win. Touchdown, Alabama! 
Built for championships. Throws intercepted Alabama. Built by Bama. Alabama is still Alabama. The Crimson Tide play here. Join us Saturday as the Crimson Tide take on LSU at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Our coverage begins at 3.30 on your home for Alabama football. Brought to you by Birmingham Racecourse. BirminghamRacecourse.com. You can be a winner, too. A Find Tide on Twitter at Tide 109 to keep up with show announcements, guests, and our reporters in the field. Drudy Arman from Huntsville, Alabama, 977 ESPN Radio, where he co-hosts Talking Ball with Scott Tyson. Weekday morning, 7 until 9. Also has a recruiting show and, of course, uh, makes various radio appearances, including right here on my program. And, boy, we got a lot to cover this morning. Good morning, Drew. Morning, Gary. Hey, listen, let's uh, before we get to Alabama and LSU, I, I want to get your, your take on, because I just played the entire clip, uh, Dabo Sweeney. I was just... Um, I was surprised, I guess, by how he handled it. I, I understand, um, and I think most Clemson fans do, obviously, what, what he's accomplished. But he said something in that clip that he always said that Clemson was about appreciation and not expectations. Well, he's changed that, you know, well, for better or for worse. Once you win and you win the way that they've won, um, the appreciation does go away to some degree. Not completely, but fans don't want four and four. Or six and six, or seven five, or five and seven, or whatever this is going to be. But for him to get triggered like that, and this wasn't one of those Nick Saban triggered rants that went on for a minute and you know week. And I'm you know I'm getting a message across. This was genuine, um, a genuine response that he let that caller get under his skin. What do you make of it? Well, I mean, you just mentioned it yourself. It's changed. It's- uh, Dabo has changed that program. They had 12 straight 10 win seasons. That will be snapped. Um, you know, they, they may very well be fortunate to go six and six. And he's, uh, lost a lot of coaches because of all his success. He lost, he lost Tony Elliott to Virginia. Jeff Scott left to go to, uh, to, uh, South Florida. Uh, he lost, uh, to Todd Bates. He went with, uh, uh, you know, Brent Venables to Oklahoma. You've lost a lot of guys within your organization. And, yes. And he's brought guys up within the organization and promoted them, and that's a, a good thing to give those guys a chance to learn and, and uh, you know, and reach the highest level. But in, in many cases, it hasn't worked. He also brought in Garrett Riley. That hasn't worked either uh, so far. But I will say, and what I meant by change is, Dabo has to change because the, the key to longevity and being one of the all-time great is changing. Coach Bryant did it. He, he, he dramatically changed the way he coached uh, from the, you know, the decade of the 60s to the 70s, going from more of a pro-style offense to a wishbone and finishing finishing his career like that. Nick Saban has, uh, you know, gone from wide ball, as he would call it, you know, tight formation, pro-style stuff, to more of a spread attack, throw the ball around now, Alabama. You could argue it's QB University uh, with all the guys they have starting. And in the first half of his career, they were quote-unquote game managers, Gary. So you have to score points and you have to change. And I think after 2014, Nick Saban, or excuse me, after 2013, pardon me, starting in 2014, he realized they had to spread the field, 
RPO it, score points, because that's where football is going. And where Dabo has been slow to change is he hasn't embraced the transfer portal. He's let guys leave. He doesn't bring anybody in. And his recruiting practices are a little antiquated from the standpoint of when a kid commits, he doesn't allow the kid to continue to take visits or they don't consider them committed and things of that nature. So to me, you have to embrace the way football is today. I mean, it's an NIL world. They certainly are paying the, playing the NIL game, but I think they have to get even more aggressive with that. And that, of course, would, uh, talk, would uh, be including uh, going into the transfer portal because I just think right now, if you're not embracing the portal and you're not embracing NIL, you're falling behind. And I think Clemson's falling behind, and that's why they're four and four. Well stated. Uh, let's move on to Alabama LSU. It's uh, it's that week. You know, the Iron Bowl is special, Alabama-Tennessee. Alabama's got plenty of rivals. There's just pretty much everybody in the league. But since Nick Saban got to Alabama, and, of course, he coached five five years at LSU, won a national championship before going to Miami for two with the Dolphins, this has been the game more times than not. Uh, LSU has um, had some great teams, national championship teams themselves. And you look at what this rivalry has meant to not just the SEC, but to the college football landscape on a national scene. And it's it's huge, and it's huge again this year because Alabama controls its own destiny. But if they lose this game, they don't. And um, you look at LSU's offense, not only is it the best in the league, Drew, it's the best in the country. And so let's start right there with Alabama's defense, which has been very solid, trying to find a way to slow down this LSU offense, which not, which not many people have been able to do. Well, I think the key is going to be affecting the quarterback. I mean, they, they're going to have to pressure Jaden Daniels and move him off his spot. They're going to have to do a better job of spying him than they did last year. I didn't think they kept a lot of leverage with him. In other words, if he gets five yards, that's one thing. Don't give up the 25- and 30-yard run, the explosive run. I think they have to keep him within a bubble, and I think they have to – Get him on the ground some, too. Um, I know Jackson Dart is not the athlete. Uh, that uh, certainly that uh, Jaden Daniels is. But I thought definitely Jackson Dart needed an ice bath after that game. Uh, they made him feel him. They they sacked him. They hit him all night. And they need to do the same thing with Jaden Daniels. You can't let him get comfortable. You have to make him uncomfortable in the pocket. You have to make him move and almost see things that aren't there. And so that's what they're going to have to do. They're going to have to try to contain them. They, they're not going to stop LSU. LSU's too talented offensively. Uh, Jaden's done a great job with his ball placement. They're going to make some plays. But I just think overall they have to affect him. They have to rush the passer well. Since the the uh, after the second game, I think they've done that. I didn't think they affected Ewers enough. And so I think they're going to have to definitely get after Jaden Daniels, no question about it. But another key is they're going to have to slow the rundown because against the Florida State Seminoles when LSU lost, they didn't have Logan Diggs. They didn't have Don Emery. They have them now. So they're going to have to do a good job. Of, and, and the reason Alabama, people have asked me this already this week, why did they beat Ole Miss the way they did? Ole Miss uh, only rushed the ball for like 56 yards, okay? And that's counting sacks, but still. Lane Kiffin's team has always been based off running the football. If they can't run the football, they're not nearly as good. So Alabama needs to do a good job of containing the run. And then they need to – they're not going to stop Jaden Daniels, but they need to contain him. And they 
And I, I still think a key in the game is holding LSU in the 20s. And the key and the way to do that is Alabama's got to limit penalties like they did against Tennessee. I think they had one penalty the entire football game. And then they've got to win the turnover battle. They didn't win it against Tennessee, and they still won the game. Two to, they lost it 2-1. to one. They've got to find a way to force a couple of LSU turnovers. And then they have to have one or less turnovers themselves, I think, offensively. Uh, and then they've got to run the football for 150 to 175 yards, Alabama does. Because you know what that means? That means hopefully they've got some balance being able to run the ball. Hopefully they're throwing it well. And that means the, the biggest key in the game is time of possession, Gary, because mm-hmm. if Jaden Downs is on the sideline, they can't score. Uh, hopefully they're, Alabama's not giving up defensive scores. So if Alabama can win the time of possession, that's going to be crucial in this game. And the way you win it is got to be balanced. you got to run the football, like I just said, but you've also got to throw it. Uh, you know, uh, we know Milrow has made a lot of big plays vertically. This is an LSU secondary that's been decimated mm-hmm. by sickness with Greg Brooks. We pray for him. Uh, he has, uh, you know, an issue with the, the cancer issue, with the brain cancer. But then they've also had disciplinary and injuries back there. We don't even know who's going to play in the secondary for LSU. So Alabama needs to take advantage of that. And they need to score in the 30. I still say... I think I picked 34-27 Alabama. I think they need to score in the mid-30s to feel good about this game. I have massive respect for Jaden Daniels, who I would vote for the Heisman right now, and their offense. They don't have a weakness because they've got Brian Thomas Jr., Tyron Lacey, uh, Malik Neighbors, uh, you know, and, and of course, who can forget, of course, uh, you know, the, the big tight end, Mason Taylor. So they've got all kind of guys, plus the two backs I already mentioned in a solid offensive line. So, they really don't have a weakness. So, again, shutting them down and holding them to a 10 points like you did on this, I don't see that. But if Alabama can find a way to, to excel in the areas I just mentioned and score points and play from out front, they need to put four solid quarters together. But if they can do that and force a couple turnovers and, and make enough plays offensively and defensively, uh, I think they can win the game 34-27 because I will say this, I do think going in, Alabama has an advantage in the kicking game, but they can't give anything back. Like, for example, the one black mark in the second half against Tennessee was Kool-Aid, you know, uh, not catching punt. You cannot give up field position like that, even with this LSU defense not being good, because if you back your offense up and you give LSU a short field, that's not a good formula. Drew DeArmond with us talking uh, Bama LSU. Bama's offense, uh, I think it's safe to say it's been a work in progress, but uh, Jalen Milrow's improved. He's proven, as you said, that he can throw the deep ball. He's proven that he can make clutch throws in in, in crucial situations. I mean, they've won three games uh, against Ole Miss, A&M, and, and uh, Tennessee that many people thought, you know, they wouldn't win those games going into them, and they've been able to do it, so they put themselves in a good spot. I agree he needs to continue to improve. At the same time, I'm very, very happy with where he has come from uh, from the start of the season until now. Now, uh, his his legs, you know, I had somebody in the building tell me that when he's on the field, he's arguably as fast as anybody out there. So, I mean, that's the one thing probably in his in his to his credit, wanting to develop as a quarterback, Drew, at the same time, you go through a read or two, and if it's not there, particularly if they're in man-to-man coverage and you can pull it down, I'd love to see him pull it down and, and use those legs some in this game because that that's something that's hard to defend when he gets in the open field. How do you feel about that? If he doesn't use his legs, Alabama won't win. 
I mean, period, in the story. It's the reason they came back to beat Tennessee, because he ran the zone read pretty effectively, and he made some improvisational runs. He has to do that. He's one of the three fastest players on the team. It's the definition of insanity if you don't use the best gift you have. And the two best gifts Milrow has are a howitzer-like arm, which he can throw the deep ball, and he can run like a jackrabbit. But you have to be willing to do it. If you don't, it, you're kind of hamstringing your offense. You're like you're tying one hand behind your back. So he has to make plays with his feet in this game. Uh, and you, Now, he doesn't have to carry it 10, 11 times. I think he's got to do it six, seven times. He's got to keep LSU honest. And then, because when you saw him do that against Tennessee, Gary, it opened up for Jace McClellan. Jace had a big second half. Alabama was able to run the ball. I like the Debo package where, you know, Kendrick Wall was able to gash him a little bit. I think Tommy Reese still has to build on that and those looks. I think I thought Tommy called a really good game the last three quarters against Tennessee. And now they've got to continue to vary things up against LSU. Because I know LSU has struggled on defense. But I think they've improved a little bit. They've still got some talented players. And, again, I'll be honest, LSU's offense is so good, they don't have to be dominant defensively. But if you're Alabama, there's matchups that you have to win. And another thing, Alabama's going to have to make two to three explosive offensive pass plays. I think they can do that, especially with this LSU secondary being decimated. But you have to go out and execute it, burden, bind, Maybe somebody we're not even talking about, like Corey Brooks, has not been, you know, a, a big play guy this year like we thought he would, uh, or an Amari Nyblack. Somebody has to step up and make a play. Drew, you've already said you think Alabama will win the game, and uh, if it does win, if the Tide wins on on Saturday night, they've still got a trip to Kentucky and they've still got a trip to Jordan Hare, but they would have. LSU would have two conference losses. They'd have the head-to-head against them. They already got the head-to-head against Ole Miss. They'd really have to lose both those games against Kentucky and Auburn. I don't see that happening. So, in essence, for Alabama at least, do you feel like they're playing for the SEC West Championship spot in Atlanta on Saturday night? Well, they're playing to put themselves in the catbird seat. Because, again, uh, the lane train's got to go to Georgia in two weeks to play the Kirby machine. I don't like his chances on the road in Athens. And then, like you said, they would knock LSU proverbially out of it. So this is Alabama's chance to really take a step forward and make a huge, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, move toward getting to Atlanta. I mean, there's no doubt about it. And with SEC play changing after this year, and this is the last year of division, uh, how is it more apropos than Alabama LSU again, which has kind of defined this era? Uh, you know, the, of divisional play, uh, you know, and really since 2007, it, since Nick Saban came back to college football and came to Tuscaloosa because of what he did at LSU. So, again, I, I do think that I would put it in the 90th percentile if they win this game that they're going to go to Atlanta because, like you said, with the tiebreakers and everything. But this is going to be a tough matchup because I think as good as Texas was offensively, and they were really good, I think this LSU team's even better. I think they're more explosive. You have a quarterback that's mobile and Jaden Daniels, but hopefully this Alabama defense is more comfortable at who they are and they're going to play better and understand that they've got to do a better job of defending Jaden Daniels than they did a year ago because he wasn't throwing the ball as well last year and still Alabama did not defend him well. So this is going to be a fascinating matchup. Remember that Kevin Steele in 19 when he was at Auburn, that Auburn defense I don't think is as good as this Alabama one. They were extremely well coached. They were talented. 
and they slowed down Joe Burrow and made that game competitive. I'm going to be really interested to see the uh, defensive approach from Kool-Aid and, uh, excuse me, uh, with uh, Traveris Robinson, pardon me, and how they line up Kool-Aid, how they attack them, and, and Kevin Steele and what they do defensively against this LSU offense, which I don't think this LSU offense is as good, uh, you know, as uh, that LSU in a 19, because, my goodness, I mean, you, you could say uh, Jamar Chase and Justin Jefferson, when he's healthy, they might be two of the top four or five wide receivers in the entire NFL. These guys are good for LSU, really good. Uh, but Alabama's really good defensively. I think this Alabama defense is better than that one in 19. So that's going to be a, a really fascinating part of the matchup to watch on Saturday. Judy Arman with us for a couple more minutes. Uh, good breakdown of that game. Real quick question on Auburn. Uh, did they finally find, I know it's Mississippi State, but did they finally find something offensively? And, and it looks like that, um, you know, Thorne's going to be the guy, quarterback from here on out. Maybe they'll insert Ashford a little bit, but uh, maybe they found something and, and can get away from this not knowing who the quarterback is going to be series to series. What did you see from Auburn on Saturday against Mississippi State? Well, they just they threw the ball better. Yeah. Now, Mississippi State's a train wreck defensively, and they're a train wreck, period. I mean, they, uh, they're they not very good in the back end of their secondary. Uh, they lost a lot of guys from a year ago. I think they may have made a mistake. Now, I'm not it was a extremely, you know, unique set of circumstances with Mike Leach passing away. You don't see that happen. Uh, Randy Walker at Northwestern, that happened. They they, they uh, promoted Pat Fitzgerald. Bo Ryan, who never coached a game at LSU, passed away in a, in a, in a plane crash. These kind of things don't happen often. And right. so they decided to go with the status quo. I'm not sure that Zach's going to make it. We'll probably know a lot more after next year. Uh, but, again, it was a good win. They didn't really play well offensively in the second half. Some of that was circumstances. So I'm anxious to see how they do in the next two games. But when you looked at their schedule and the, the way everything had played out for this season, you could see this coming because Mississippi State has struggled. Vanderbilt will be a slaughter. And then it's going to come down to is Arkansas still interested? If Arkansas is still interested, that could be a good game in Fayetteville. But Auburn won there a couple of years ago. So it wouldn't surprise me if Auburn comes into the Iron Bowl at 7-4 and four and hot and Alabama needs to take care of business. And then it would just be another crazy atmosphere in Jordan-Hare Stadium, but one where Alabama still got the better team. But, again, I thought Auburn took some steps. But I'm anxious to see how they play against Vanderbilt. Do they keep it going or do they have trouble with the doors? And then what kind of Arkansas team do we see? And finally, Drew, Bama basketball, uh, getting ready for the season opener, played a couple of, played a secret scrimmage against TCU and then an exhibition game on Sunday up in, uh, Winston-Salem against Wake Forest. And they led 52-39 and a half. They actually had a 19 point lead with about a minute and a half to go in the half. And, um, you know, had played great. And then in the second half and the final minute and a half of the first half, their lead was down to 13 and a half. And then they got cooked in the second half, 49, 28. Uh, great first half, terrible second half. Yeah. No Mark Sears, uh, who's an all SEC guard. He didn't play in either one of them. Uh, they got Mo Diabate and, and, uh, and certainly Mohamed Wagay. Uh, back in the lineup for the second game. Both of them haven't practiced much. So uh, I think Wigay can definitely help them defensively going forward. Um, you know, they didn't uh, take care of the basketball well enough. They kind of let up on the gap. And you got to remember, they got a lot of inexperienced pieces uh, and a lot of new guys in the lineup. So they're still learning how to play. 
But they played two teams, I think, that are NCAA tournament-level teams in TCU and Wake Forest and certainly did enough good things to excite you. You're, you're kind of experimenting in these games. You're not playing guys in normal minutes in, in many cases that they would play. You couldn't foul out in the game. Uh, so it's certainly it's frustrating to lose both of them. But Sam Walters shot the ball really well. But he also showed that he's got to get stronger, got to get better defensively. I think this is a team, as I've said, that will be much better in January than they are right now. But you got to get all the pieces to fit together. And the, the, the one guy they really got to get going is Rylan Griffin, who I thought going into this year could be an all-SEC type guy along with Grant Nelson. Certainly Estrada and Nelson look like they're the real deal. But you need a third amigo in this league. You mm-hmm. need somebody else who can count on the score. Sears may very well be that guy, but I think they're going to have to get more out of Rylan Griffin who struggled a little bit in both exhibition games. Great stuff as always, uh, Drew. I know you're counting down to Moorhead State. Um uh, uh, do you know anything about them? I mean, I know they've traditionally had some good teams. Uh, any chance that they could challenge Alabama? Um, I mean, you look, man, any, they were a team that was, I think they're picked to finish near the top of their league. I think their best players injured right now. Uh, but you can't, when you have a new team and you've only got three guys in Sears and Pringle and Griffin and, uh, who have played it all and then Davin Cosby, you got it. You can't take anyone for granted. They're going to be a, they're going to be a quality mid major opponent. It's a, it's a game that I think Alabama should handle. Um, it's not like they're opening like Auburn's opening against Baylor. So you're going to get your oil check big time on a neutral four there. This is a game Alabama should win. They should be able to play a lot of guys, get some guys some minutes and some floor time. But again, I think what you're trying to do is. You, between now and then, you've got to get your head out of your rear end and learn how to guard yeah. uh, and do a better job of guarding people. And then, of course, uh, take care of the basketball. But I think it's a quality opponent to open with, a good one to get a gauge of where your guys are. And I'm looking forward to, you know, less than a week for Alabama basketball to open up. Yeah, of course, Moorhead State's where Janai Broom uh, was uh, the great Auburn player before. Yep. So they've, they've had some good players. All right, thank you, Drew. And real quickly mention uh, where they can find you on social media and, and at the radio station and all that good stuff. Uh, they can they can follow me at Drew D nine seven seven ESPN and our station at nine seven seven ESPN and Scott Tyson and I bring you talking ball Monday through Friday from seven to nine. I also do a guest spot on our morning blitz show Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. We talk recruiting, we talk football, we talk basketball. We have a lot of fun. Uh, and then of course uh, they can always uh, catch me on the Gary Harris show each Tuesday at nine thirty. And we appreciate being on Tiger one hundred nine. Thanks, Gary. Thank you, Drew. All right, we'll be back to wrap up the first hour of the Gary Harris Show right after this on Tiger one hundred point nine FM and twelve thirty AM WTBC. Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. We'll forecast a clearing sky today, cool and breezy, the high 57. A freeze warning in effect tonight, clear with the low at 31. Or tomorrow and Thursday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 53, Thursday's high at 61. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 46 degrees in Tuscaloosa. You're listening to The Gary Harris Show. Alabama Sports, Tide 100.9, and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. To my surprise, Monster Mash in. He did the Halloween Mash. It was a graveyard smash. 
All right, we don't have a lot of time for me to be singing Monster Mash, but what a great Halloween song. Hey, listen, Tom, sorry we couldn't get to you. Um, we got to get up against this break, but if you'll call back after Paul Patterson, J.R. Krebs with our legal segment, uh, we'll get you on. And we got uh, Kayla Anderson coming up at 1030 in the second hour. That's going to wrap it up for hour number one. It's been brought to you by Alabama Credit Union. Hour number two is coming up. We're going to kick it off with the Patterson Comer legal segment. Keep it dialed in right here at Ty 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. It caught on in a flash. They did the match. They did the monster match. The zombies were having fun. The party had... 2011, Billy Sports Grill, located on Main Avenue in historic downtown Northport, has been serving their legendary signature chicken sandwich, award-winning wings, and handcrafted cocktails. Billy's is also the spot to watch all your favorite sporting events with big screen, high-definition televisions, both dining rooms, at the bar, and outside on the beautiful patio. Come by and say hello to Kim and Lisa, the Billy's management dream team. Billy's good food, good friends, and good time. Tuscaloosa's Old Colony Golf Course is an 18-hole championship layout designed by 1976 U.S. Open champion Jerry Pate. Director of Golf John Gray and fitting specialist Bob Montgomery are PGA certified. Mike Shivitz is the head professional and director of the Tuscaloosa Junior Golf Program. Call today to secure a tee time at the Tuscaloosa Championship Golf Course. Everyone can play. 205-562-3201. Old Colony is operated by Para. If you haven't already, you've got to try Tuscaloosa's unique breakfast, brunch, and lunch concept. Brick and Spoon, downtown Tuscaloosa, Timerson Square. It's fresh food with a Cajun flair featuring a full bar with build-your-own Bloody Marys and mimosas. Open daily, 7 a.m. until 2 p.m. Available for after-hours events, rehearsal dinners, receptions, and birthdays. They offer brunch and lunch catering. Call Brick and Spoon at 205-345-5551 for more information. WTBC Tuscaloosa and W265CG Tuscaloosa, a town square media station. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. From the Fox Sports Studios in Los Angeles. Here's Kevin Wire. Massive trade taking place in the NBA overnight of the 76ers agreeing to send James Harden to the Clippers along with P.J. Tucker and Philip Petrusev in exchange for Marcus Morris, Nick Batum, Robert Covington, K.J. Martin, and an unprotected 2028 first-round pick, two second-round picks, and a pick swap plus an additional first-round pick from a third team, and that's reported to be Oklahoma City. The Clippers sending them a first-round pick swap, clearing the way for OKC to move a 2026 protected first-round to Philadelphia. 76ers also waving veteran guard Danny Green. NFL trade deadline today, 4 o'clock Eastern. The Bears have given quarterback Jalen Johnson permission to seek a trade. He's got one year left on his contract. And in the World Series, the Rangers now ahead two games to one after beating the Diamondbacks last night 3-1. But it came at a price as Max Scherzer and Adolis Garcia left the game due to injuries and their status going forward is uncertain. Always live. Always local. Dependable news coverage. The latest news, only from the Tuscaloosa Thread Newsroom. The Tuscaloosa Violent Crimes Unit has spent the morning on the scene of a fatal shooting in the Ralph community of southwest Tuscaloosa County. Officers say evidence of the incident on Timbertop Lane just off US 11 points to a homicide. A red flag warning in effect through 7 tonight for a high fire damage. A freeze warning in effect for overnight tonight. And a freeze watch overnight tomorrow night. And happy birthday wishes go to Alabama head football coach Nick Saban. He turns 72 today. He wants a win over LSU Saturday for his gift. For the latest. Local news in Tuscaloosa. Hey, now.
Alabama sports updates. And severe weather information. Download the free Tuscaloosa Threat app. Never pay for your news. And sign up for our daily newsletter with news updates. The Gary Harris Show. You see him host Tider Insider TV. Crimson Tide kickoff. Play-by-play for Alabama sports and sports director for WVUA 23. It's time for the Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app. All right, here we go. Welcome to hour number two of the Gary Harris Show right here on Tide 100.9 at 1230 a.m. W. TVC, and it's time for our Patterson Comer Law Firm segment with Paul Patterson. J.R. Krebs is in with him in just a morning. This hour, uh, in just a moment, uh, this hour is brought to you by Patterson Comer Law Firm. So I don't have to say a lot because we're going to be talking about a lot of stuff with Patterson Comer here in just a moment. But I will remind you that Paul Patterson and Mike Comer are local feet on the ground. Paul's in Tuscaloosa, 205-345-1000. Mike is in Northport at 205-759-3939. Personal injury attorneys that work locally. What does that mean to you? Well, Unlike an 800 firm, you'll get to meet them in person. Look them in the eye. They'll be with you the whole way. And if you need to go to court, they'll be with you. One of them will be in the courtroom with you. I think that's important. Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law. Find out more at PattersonComerLawFirm.com. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And speaking of Paul Patterson, as I said, he's right here in the studio to discuss trial strategy and how to win your car accident case every time. J.R. Krebs is with you, Paul. Good morning. And uh, that's a topic that I know... A lot of people will want to hear about because if you go to court, you want to win. That's right. Well, I'm glad to have J.R. Krebs with us. I grew up with J.R.'s mom and dad. Mm-hmm. He's been on the legal scene here in Tuscaloosa for uh, a few years now. Went to University of Alabama School of Law. He's done a great job. He actually does the same work I do, personal injury work. Uh, one thing that sets him apart, though, from other lawyers his age with experience is uh, he's tried cases. He's received verdicts, and he has gotten some really really monumental settlements for people here locally. And, uh, and he's represented a governmental entity in a plaintiff case, the city of Norport. Uh, there are th- some things he can't talk about about that case because it's under a settlement mm-hmm. agreement, but it was a federal court case where the, the city of Northport uh, was a victim of fraud and, and breach contract claims, and he was highly successful and did a wonderful job. But we're glad to have Jr. with us. And uh, and one thing I wanted him to to discuss is tell us a little bit about his firm, mm-hmm. uh, and also talk about how he prepares a case for trial. What's important for him? Uh, he seems to have a really good recipe for success when it comes to trying cases to. 12 people in our community. So, JR, welcome. Hey, good to be here. Good share, be here. share with us some of your, uh, your aspects from your practice and personal injury and how you get a case ready. Sure. So, um, I've been on my own now, I guess, three years, uh, doing primarily personal injury work. And, uh, I, I guess it really starts at the beginning from the first intake to, uh, the first, um, time you meet with the client getting really a full picture of, you know, what the potential injuries are, uh, going out to the scene, taking a look at that, and then also um, really getting a good picture of what what the clients. Hold tight, JR. Okay. I think we're having a, a microphone issue. Uh, Justin, do we have him? 
Yeah, we we have him. He's just a little quiet, but we're that's on our end. We're trying okay. to figure keep, it out. Keep no the, keep the mic. Just uh, yeah, try to boost him up a little bit. I'm sorry, Jr. But I want to make sure that people hear you. Yeah, no problem. And they were. I knew that I could see them fiddling with the audio board in there. Just want to make sure because we can we can slide Paul's mic over if we need to. Justin, is that? I want to make sure people hear him. Yeah, just do that. Just yeah, how about this? That work? Yeah, yeah. Okay. All right. Pick back up, Justin. Just telling us about your firm and and uh, where you're at. Sorry, guys, uh, but I thought we tested those things. All right, but just pick back up with where you are. No, were. good. So, so what I was saying is, well, we like to get a full picture of what happened, what the potential injuries are, as well as um, you know what the non-economic side of it. Which in a lot of cases, the non-economic side has potential to be a lot bigger than the economic side. And that's stuff like, you know, did you miss work? Right. Um, how did this wreck or how did this injury affect you while you were getting over it? You know, stuff like that, ways that it affected your life. Um, so that's really kind of, it really, the verdicts are, are one and uh, at, the, at the beginning of the case. Gary, one thing um, JR has done a really good job at, and I'll, I'll brag on him, is premises liability. Mm-hmm. People... Um, when you are an invitee under the law, it means when you enter someone's premises, you are there to conduct business. Well, that business has a duty to warn you of any, of course, perils or anything that could jeopardize your safety uh, and to provide you a reasonably safe environment. And uh, that is something that people often don't understand when it comes to the law. You know, what creates liability in a premises case? Um, for instance, uh, J.R. Is, is working with me as co-counsel in a case in Bibb County where a person was just catastrophically injured because of the negligence of a company. Um, a product that was spilled that we claim laid uh, in the, or, or stayed on the premises over at least an hour and caused some major problems for this family. But uh, anyway, I'm going to get Jr. to explain a little bit more on the premises side. So if someone does... Uh, have a claim or injured on someone's property, what are some things to look for and what are the keys to success on it? Well, you just got a text, or I did, that said your mic is fine. So they're hearing you fine. So just, okay. you know, I got a text from a listener that just said, hey, listen, the audio with Krebs was fine. So, oh, right. so that's good. <laughs> they right. can hear us out there. Right, so well. now we can all relax and you can stay on your mic. Yeah, but uh, pick up with Paul's question there, yeah, JR. Sit as close to Paul, which <clears> is right. Um, that's right. Uh, yeah, pre- premises <laughs> cases are, are some of the most difficult cases out there. Uh, reason being is you got to prove, generally, have to prove some kind of notice that there's a problem with the, uh, with the place wherever it is that you're injured. Um, most common cases are slip and falls, uh, whether it be, I got a case in Bibb County um, a couple years ago where a lady, she slipped and fell on a handicap ramp and uh, broke her kneecap. Hmm. Um, the key to premises cases is, again, getting out front, getting out in front of it, hmm. taking pictures, getting <clears throat> an engineer or a premises expert to go out there and look at the place so they can tell you exactly it is, what, what's wrong with it, and can kind of direct um you know the discovery in the case, so you so you can put you get get a good result for your client. Uh, but those are those are difficult cases, mm-hmm. really difficult cases. Paul, what about uh, finding you know finding a way to make sure you're hooked up with an attorney that's going to win your uh, automobile uh, injury accident case every time? Well, that's the you know things we've talked about and something that uh, 
I think it's the most important thing is you sit down with your lawyer and you ask them, <clears throat> how many jury, jury verdicts have you actually received? Great point. And, and not necessarily just settlements, mm-hmm. um, because insurance industry, as we know, they track the attorneys. They know which attorneys will try cases to a verdict. Mm-hmm. And they know which ones are deemed always settlers. Mm-hmm. Now, nothing's wrong with settling the case when the value of the case is adequate. Mm-hmm. Uh, I have a case right now with a, a young lady. It's out of state. Um, fortunately, yesterday, I've got the, the adjuster in a range that's going to be fair to her. Mm-hmm. Um, but prior to that, you know, I thought, well, we're going to be going to Tennessee to try this case. Luckily, looks like it's going to resolve. So I say, when I say settlement, there is nothing wrong as long as the value is appropriate right. for the injury. However, you do have to take some cases to trial. And it's those cases where the insurance industry is not being fair. That you take them and you try it to 12 people and you get a significant verdict, one that's fair under the law where when the insurance companies track you, then you have a history with them Mm -hmm. as a plaintiff's attorney. And that's something J.R. uh, in his short time out here has done. Mm -hmm. He has been able to uh, get these verdicts. um, And the industry knows it. Yeah, established a track record. Yeah, and And, and it's... Important to do it early. Absolutely. Because I, the one thing I've known since we've been working together is how little I knew about the law, but, um, how some, and again, I don't mean to, to knock these 800 firms. As you said, they're trying to get you settlements too. They, you know, but when you're working with local attorneys like you and JR, to be able to take it the whole way if needed, uh, because I'm amazed at how many attorneys have found out that, like you said, their job is to try to settle, and they may not have ever even tried a case in a courtroom. It, there are attorneys out there, Jr., that do that. And like Paul was saying, and you can pick up there, the fact that these insurance companies know you're willing to take it all the way, that changes the way they negotiate with you as a lawyer. That's right. We, uh, I like to tell folks when they come in that we, I, we serve as both a shield and a sword. One, a shield to protect you from you know getting screwed over by an insurance carrier, and then two, if you got to go on the attack and you got to go all the way to verdict, um, then that's a, that's what we're here to do too. And it's it is really important to have somebody that'll that'll go to the map for you. All right, I just got a text from somebody who this is one we've never had, Paul or okay. Jr. I'll try to shorten it down, but said basically all you lawyers always say there's no cost out of pocket. That was not the case for me. I dealt with a law firm who said that would be the case, but then they wanted expenses for investigating and just things that went along with it. I wound up spending about $3,000 out of pocket and never got a dime back. Does that happen? Well, it shouldn't. It should not happen. Um, If an attorney takes and a client on a contingency arrangement – it is contingent upon the attorney securing a recovery for that client. Mm-hmm. Now, if they recover money for the client, then the first thing that's deducted is a contingency fee, whether it's 33 and the third percent or 40 percent. Mm-hmm. Then the next thing that is deducted are the expenses. Now, what it took to prosecute the case. Mm-hmm. If experts were hired, medical bills were paid for, things of that nature, the attorneys uh, they they get that back. Well, what he seems to be saying is that they didn't win, but he didn't. He still had to spend money. It's kind of the way I'm taking yeah, it, this. It, that should not happen. Okay. And if it was on a contingency agreement, uh, he should not have to pay the lawyer okay. a dime. If it's another contractual arrangement, you know that would be odd okay. well, uh, listener, in a personal be, injury setting. Be careful. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's true. And and that's another reason to to ask the attorney you're dealing with. 
Do you specialize in personal injury? Yeah, make sure you uh, know what you're dealing with. Yeah, that's right, because there are a lot of attorneys. But if, they, that do if you tell the client contingency, then you're you're directed by the law too to not accept money, right? That's right. The contingency system came in years and years ago, and it, and it was a great reason it came in because only the rich That's could right. afford lawyers. So the Alabama State Bar and the, and the bars across the nation said there are people like Went and Betty Patterson that need representation. Mm-hmm. My parents that cannot afford you know three to four hundred dollars an hour for a lawyer. So they said the contingency agreement will allow. Everyday working people like my parents to hire an attorney for that attorney to assume all the risk of the expenses. And if the attorney loses, then the Pattersons are not responsible for anything. And that's in our contract. And I point that out every time yeah. the clients and, and so does JR Good. that the, with the one sentence that I always underline and ask the clients to read that if the firm receives or recovers nothing, then you don't owe the firm a dime. That's Paul, uh, and JR, that's what I've been so impressed with Paul and Mike since I've gotten to know them. And obviously you fall into the same is that Paul has told me, you know, he doesn't take every case, but he's always completely honest with the prospective client. And if he doesn't think that there's a case, he just tells them, or I might not can help you as much as he'll refer clients to other lawyers. I've always admired that about him. And it's something. Again, I think people trust their lawyer. They trust their doctor. They trust their mechanic. But I always say, you know, everybody's not a good auto mechanic. Everybody's not a great doctor. Everybody's not a great lawyer. There's and and finding somebody who's going to be genuinely honest with you because that listener just sent that social media message to me. Obviously, did not have a good experience with a personal injury attorney. So it's you know everybody's not equal, right? That's right. Yeah, and that's that's one thing I do too. Um, is kind of like he does with underlining that sentence i tell people look if i work on your case every day eight hours a day for 10 years and i don't recover anything then you're not gonna owe me a dime well um we make that clear make that clear at the get-go and and yeah you can't take every case uh, one from a sheer business perspective you can't handle every case that walks in the door uh, and then two some people just they really just don't have a case and it's important they know that so they don't walk around with a false hope that hey maybe they get a settlement check down the line that uh that does more harm than good. Paul, um, with so many, of course, JR's, cur- you know, carving out a niche. Sure. Your, your son's starting to practice. Yeah, yeah. Um, I may have asked you this before. Where we stand with, are there more attorneys in, in law firms <laughs> than, than clients right now? How to, how, how is that going? JR, you may remember the numbers. I, I can't quite remember in the state of Alabama. I used to know it, but, um, Tuscaloosa is pretty saturated. We're almost like uh, uh, real estate people. You know, there are, you know, oh, I kid everybody in the last 15 years ago, they got a, had, a, had a midlife crisis, decided to become a realtor, right? Yeah, when that's right. Interest, and, when those interest rates were low. That's right. There, there are several lawyers, and they do everything from divorce work to criminal work to wills and deeds to uh, things of that nature to commercial transactions, tax work. So it's just real important, whatever lawyer you're dealing with, that you sit down and, and find out their specialty, spend some time with that lawyer. Uh, you want to be comfortable. Now, I've told North, my son, and Jr. Uh, this profession's really easy to succeed in if you're honest right. up front with people. And that's what I have found most people. Lawyers don't have good names. I mean, just the profession has a bad name a lot of times because people think about the untrustworthy lawyer. Well, I guess somebody like <clears throat> the yeah. firm that... That person dealt with, uh, uh, yeah, yeah, and, it, and it's it's sad. And uh, but if you'll be straight up with people, honest, 
and uh, tell them what to expect. You know, don't mislead them and get their expectations up in a range where you know you can't, you know, reach that expectation level. Um, if you won't do that and you'll just be frank with them and transparent, it just, it, they will trust you and they'll come to you for advice. And that's why I have no problem sending people, like I don't do bankruptcy. Right. My dear friend Marshall and Tosano does and I trust him, went to law right. school with him. Someone needs his services, I send them over. So yeah. it's always our, good to have our tax law with Joel Dura, our Joe, or our friend Joel Dura, <laughs> the tax expert. So uh, who does wonderful? Yeah, and, and a man of integrity that you can entrust your clients to yeah. them. Worst thing you want to do is give someone advice to go to another attorney, and then they have a bad experience. Right. Oh, that, yeah. that's not good. Uh, so we we pride ourselves. In having a network of attorneys that we trust. JR, back to Paul's original point about seeing it all the way through. And, and before we close out the segment, again, not to, everybody's got their own law firm, does it their own way, but I, I always say feet on the ground, local, that gives you that opportunity. These mega law firms, yeah, they want to get a, they want to get a settlement too, because right. I mean, they're, they're not, and they're going to, if they find a good case, they're going to, but they might be willing to settle sooner because that's kind of the way they do their business. And they might be, you might be talking to an attorney in Atlanta or Nashville or somewhere where it just doesn't make sense for them to send a lawyer down. They may contact a local lawyer if needed, but if somebody comes and sees J.R. Krebs and you take that case from the moment they take you take the case, you're with them all the way. And yes, into court into the courtroom if needed. That's I right. think that's important. Yeah, if you if you walk through that door that says Krebs Law, you're gonna get a Krebs on your case. Um, you'll deal with my assistant some, but if you want to talk to Jr., you're gonna talk to Jr. Um, and that, and that's true. Uh, these these out of town 800 big billboard firms, they they've got some good aspects mm-hmm. to them. But as far as getting to know the lawyer, um, getting to know the people that are actually working on your case, and as far as the lawyer, getting to know the people that are going to help present your case, can't be the local lawyer. JR, tell everybody how they can find you. Yeah, so y'all can find me. Uh, Krebs Law uh, is on Facebook, Krebs Law LLC. Uh, website is www.krebslawllc.com. Um, phone number is 205-634-1000. And, of course, Paul Patterson Comer, I uh, – I know where you're at, and of course I live right down from Mike's office there <laughs> yeah, downtown Northport. Right. So tell folks where they can find yeah. you. The thirteen twenty three Hargrove Road, over where I grew up, just down from Snow Hinton Park, and uh, numbers two zero five three four five one thousand. Mike, of course, is downtown Northport near City Cafe, two zero five seven five nine three nine three nine. Thank you, gentlemen. Thank, Thank you, Gary. Appreciate it. No representation is made that the quality of legal services to be performed is greater than the quality of services performed by other lawyers. And we'll be back with more of the Gary Harris Show. I know Tom called in earlier, Tom. We couldn't get you, but we can get you in the next segment if you want to call in and and uh, chime in on Dabo Swinney. I heard you with Wimp and Barry. We'd love to have you call back. And then we got uh, Kayla Anderson with the Tennessee Titans report coming up at 1030. Keep it dialed into the Gary Harris Show. We're back after this. Patterson Comer is dedicated to serving our clients. If Patterson Ministry has evolved, it will always be that place to escape and have a good time. Whether it's for a game day weekend, to reminisce on college days, or to create new memories, if you're looking for a good time, there's only one thing to do. Head to the free at 1925 University Boulevard. And don't forget about the Lucky Lunch Meet and Three Special. Monday through Friday from 11 a.m. until 2 p.m., get a meat and three vegetables for just $8.49. Or for a lighter appetite, try the Lucky Lunch Soup, Salad, or Sandwich Combo. I'll see you at the free. 
Tide 100.9, Tuscaloosa weather. We'll forecast a clearing sky today, cool and breezy, the high 57. A freeze warning in effect tonight, clear with the low at 31. Or tomorrow and Thursday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow is 53, Thursday's high at 61. I'm James Spam on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 47 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Alabama Crimson Tide lives right here. Touchdown, Alabama! On Tide 100.9. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. I told the witch doctor I was in love with you. And then the witch doctor loving the Halloween theme music. Just as playing for us this morning. And uh, we had a busy show. Thanks to Paul Patterson and J.R. Krebs for coming in studio. And, um... Always a pleasure to visit with Paul and uh, J.R. Krebs is one of the top young attorneys in West Alabama. Right now, let's get out on the First of Main Condos hotline. And Tom is back with us. Tom tried to get in at the end of the hour, but we didn't have time. Thanks for uh, calling back, Tom. Hi, buddy. What's going on today? How are you? Doing well. Doing well. Loving this weather, man. Loving this cool weather. Oh, is it? Absolutely. I'm telling you, it's something to behold. And the leaves, like you said last week, they are starting to show their self. Yes, they are. And I am looking forward to uh, getting down on the river or somewhere up around the lake. And, and that's where it seems to be the best. People have always asked why there's so much more foliage around water. It's because of the moisture in the ground. And that that's leads right. to the, the better foliage. So, yeah, I can't wait either, Tom. Uh, you know, I called in about the uh, Coach Sweeney. Yeah, I heard you on Wimp and Berry. And that's, that's, yeah, uh, you had, I, I, I I kind of went off, but I went off on the fact that uh, they had a media person as a guest on, and and he was insinuating that nobody has a right in the public to call in and question somebody when they're underperforming. Let's face it, that's what's going on. And to your point, he's created a situation. Now, if he was winning, He'd be doing like he was three or four years ago, walking around jerking his pants up and peacocking all over the place and, and standing coach saving up at a restaurant instead of showing up to eat supper with him like he uh, won the bet. But, you know, he peacocked around there a lot. Well, that's what those call-in shows are for. They're for the fans exactly. to have an opportunity. What we're so accustomed to is those, is, is fans calling in and kissing the coach's rear end uh, all the time. And they were just happy to be there kind of calls so that when you get one, even though I thought the young man was respectful about it, even when you get one that, that uh, questions your right, I mean, uh, I didn't think Dabble handled it real well. I, Dabble made great points, We all, but we all know his record. We all know his resume. Uh, but he kept talking about, you know, Clemson was a place of appreciation and not expectation. Well, that changes. You know, you're right. You've won 10 games 12 years in a row. Well, you know what? People expect it. And and that's, that's just right. the way it is. Like they used to say, if you can't stand the heat, get out of the kitchen. Because that's that's there that's where we're at. And you are making $11.5 million. And, again, whether, whether or not um, you have a great resume doesn't change the fact that you're not. You're struggling this year, and fans feel like the program is slipping. And one called in, and and you know he kind of Davo kind of phrased it like people don't have the right to question me. Well, they do. Yeah. They do. That's right. And uh, that that that's that's the bottom line right there. It, you know, it, it's like Coach Saban said not three weeks ago. He said, if you're playing bad, expect to be criticized. That's right. And uh, 
and, and he is exactly right, and he said the right thing at the right time, like he always does. Now, Dabo was peacocking around up there like he was going to be Alabama. Now, I got news for you, Dabo. You can peacock all you want to, but you're never going to be Alabama at, at Clemson. Be happy with what you got at, at uh, Auburn on the lake and, uh, uh, and, and be satisfied with it. But you're not going to be Alabama. And I think that's one thing you can see in his face. He's come to the realization of that no matter what you do, you're not going to ever be Alabama up there. I hear you, Tom. Well, I want to know if you agree. I'm well, like Dabo. Well, I, 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 yeah, Alabama, listen, Alabama's, you know, Dabo's won two national championships. Saban's won six. Bryant won six. Yeah. Uh, Clemson's won three in their history. Alabama's won, you know, 18, 18 or, you know, and, and, and 12 pole titles. So, uh, yeah, I will say this, uh, in the last, in the last 10 years, there have been three programs that have stood above the rest, and that's been Alabama, Georgia, and Clemson. So I, I put Clemson in that company. But none stood where Alabama is. No, not yet, and and probably never will. So, but he, uh, he but he has built an elite program. So, uh, but here's the thing: fan, fans, fans from. don't have to. Uh, first of all, for you, let a fan get under your skin like that is 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 surprising. And secondly. Uh, he's just a fan. You know, if you're in good standing with the, with the athletics director and the board of trustees, and first of all, one bad season is not going to get Dabo Swinney fired. But it almost sounded to some degree like, well, heck, I'm tired of it. I'm ready to move on. That's good. That's something I kind of took from it. That's not the first time he sounded like that in the last two years. Yeah. Uh, you know, he sounded like that when he come out spouting off about NIL and transfer portal. He sounded like that. You know, if this is what it's going to be, I don't want to be part of it. You remember? That's what he said. Well, you know what, too, is that's another point about making the kind of money these coaches make now is if they do get tired of it, they can walk away. That wasn't always the case. Uh, but now this is generational type wealth. When you make eleven and a half million dollars for a few years, you should have plenty of money in the bank. And not to mention all of the all the things that go with being a head coach. All of the uh, you know, alumni picking up the tab for, for a mortgage or, or providing vehicles or doing whatever else goes with it. So if he's tired of it, he can sit out for a couple of years and decide if he wants to come back. Nobody's making him you know nobody's making well, him coach either. It's a free country. Yeah. So, all right, got to run, Tom. Thanks, man. All right, it's ten thirty-one. We'll take a break. Come back with uh, Kayla Anderson with the Titans report, and we'll do that next right here on the Gary Harris Show. Covering University of Alabama sports as well as the national and local scene as well. The Gary Harris Show, only on Tide one hundred point nine and streaming on the Tide one hundred point nine app. All right, 1033, welcome back into the Gary Harris Show, and it's time for Kayla Anderson out of Nashville with the Titans report. And, uh, boy, we got a lot to wrap our arms around with this Titans team week to week. It's been um, the only consistent part of this season has been the inconsistency of it, but the Titans coming off a big 28-23 win at home over the Falcons, and they turn around and play again in two days at Pittsburgh, the Steelers aren't in a good mood after they felt like some poor officiating uh, contributed to their loss to the Jags. Good morning, Kayla. How are you? Hey, 
doing well, Gary. Hope you guys are doing well. It's been a crazy uh, two weeks. I'll tell you that much. It sure has. You were in London, uh, the loss to the um, to the Ravens, and, and coming home and talk about whether or not the Titans were going to after trading fired whether or not there would be a fire sale, whether Henry would be gone. But Will Levis steps in. And uh, in his first game as a quarterback for the Tennessee Titans, four touchdown passes, three to Hopkins. Uh, the Titans win 28-23. Now there seems to be renewed hope and doesn't like Henry's going to be dealt. So where does this thing stand going forward? We know that, that Levis is going to start Thursday night against the Steelers. Is he going to be the quarterback, do you think, for the rest of the season? Yeah, I mean, those are all questions that are yet to be answered uh, fully with a yes because it is Mike Rabel, and there's always gamesmanship when it comes to Mike Rabel uh, coming from that Bill Belichick tree of coaching. But I will say when we asked him yesterday, and we're about to um, have practice availability and locker room availability today, it will be our only day of that. Um, as they head to Pittsburgh tomorrow. But we did ask, you know, will Will Levis be starting Thursday um, in Pittsburgh? And he didn't give us a definite yes, but he did say, you know, Ryan Tannehill wasn't going to practice on Monday. It was predictably a, a walkthrough, but we still got an injury report, and he did not practice. Um, and he said, you know, if he's not healthy, it will likely be Will Levis getting the start. So I think we can all at this point say it's pretty safe to say that Will Levis is going to be the starting quarterback on Thursday in Pittsburgh. Now, from then moving forward, I don't know, because I think a lot of it hinges on his performance on the road. This is a Titans team that has still not gotten a win on the road this season so this is very important to the overall you know um i guess positivity of this season moving forward because it's like yeah they got back in the win column but now the biggest thing for them to get over is can they get a win on the road in a whatever you know if they're good or bad it doesn't matter the Steelers it's a hostile environment to play in and and the Titans are not great in Thursday night football games as it is and Mike Rabel is 0-2 against Mike Tomlin to add to that so um I think if if Will Levis performs at least you know up to par and I know it's hard to match a performance like that that he had with the four touchdown passes uh I think that we could really see there being a a controversy on our hands in terms of who to ride with going into Tampa. Because if Ryan Healthy is indeed healthy, Mike Vrabel has said when he is healthy, he's our he's our quarterback. Um, I think Mike Vrabel would stick with that, but I would think Ryan Tannehill's leash at that point would be extremely short. I'm talking you, you maybe throw one interception in that game in Tampa if Ryan Tannehill starts that game and you put Levis in. And at that point, there's no longer you can hold your hat on him. You know, he he's a starter because he's injured, right? right. It, it, he's the start. He's the starter uh, and can get yanked if he makes one mistake. So I think we're we're looking at that type of a scenario moving forward in terms of the quarterback position. But if Will Levis doesn't perform well on Thursday, it just might be a thing where Mike Vrabel goes right back to Tannehill, and we're back to that in terms of him being the starter. Um, moving forward and Will Levis being the backup.
Kayla Anderson with us, Emmy-winning sports anchor now on Ramon, Kayla, and Will on 104.5 The Zone in Nashville weekday mornings and the Titans report with us on Tuesdays. You said a lot there, a whole lot, and kind of listening to you and trying to read between the lines, stuff that I follow the Titans pretty closely. Mike Vrabel is, is peculiar at times, incredibly loyal to his veteran players. We've seen that, and it sounds like uh, – the fan base probably is saying, we want Will Levis. Listen, Levis injected something into that team that we haven't seen all year. He got Hopkins not just catching balls, but catching touchdowns. Uh, Henry was, didn't score, but had over 100 yards. I mean, yep. I, I know how fans, they're saying, what, what controversy is there? Go with this guy. Yep. He's younger. He's stronger. He's on a rookie contract. But the but being what you said about the head coach is he won't commit to it. So. It looks like yeah. that Levis is going to be auditioning again on Thursday night if indeed he gets the start. Well, and, and you're right. I mean, the one thing I've learned about Mike Brabel in the seven seasons that I've covered him is he is extremely loyal, whether that be to his coaching staff or to those veteran players. Uh, that's one thing that I don't think he's ever going to shake. That loyalty is a part of kind of how he's come up and uh, come up through the coaching ranks and, and come up as a player. Um, so I don't think that's ever going to change. And sometimes people can say that might be a fault of his moving forward in coaching because sometimes you do have to make those difficult decisions. Um, but I, I think at some point, because the fans are on the Will Levis train, right? Like, and rightfully so. This team needed a spark and he gave it to him as a rookie in his first start ever in the NFL and so I think that at some point you got to ride with the hot hand because if you want to win games in this league game in day in day out it's crazy and so why not ride with the hot hand right exactly I mean that's kind of the way I see it I mean um you know the Jags have created a little separation but this is still you know, a division that can be had, particularly with the fact that uh, Tennessee's got two cracks at, at Jacksonville going forward. What was the vibe in the locker room after the game? Because not only is there Tannehill and Levis involved, there's Malik Willis, who's very popular with his teammates. They were all distraught that he got booed the way he did. But let's be honest, it, this is a performance-based business at the end of the day. And when he has had opportunities, he's he's not performed. I mean, he's he's the third guy going forward. And yet there seems to be a lot of teammates and coaches that feel like you know they don't want to just say Malik Willis is out of the mix but honestly he's out of the mix right yeah I would say at this point Malik Willis is is the number three quarterback and I don't know how that will look next year maybe he is the backup behind Levis if things continue on the path that they continue on because we're assuming Ryan Tannehill is going to be gone regardless um but I will say I did like the fact that his teammates Everybody from Derrick Henry to DeAndre Hopkins to Will Levis, who started that whole thing about how he did not appreciate fans booing. Now, it has come, you know, down the line here further and further throughout the week that it was more so fans booing at the fact that Mike Vrabel, you know, put Malik Willis back in the game after he had fumbled early in the game, um, fumbled that snap. I think it was more so for the coaches. However, as a player, when you're down on that field, it, you take that very differently. And I think, you know, this is a good locker room. Despite the losing, despite the trade, this is a close locker room. The culture is still strong. So I kind of appreciated the fact that all those guys came out and were like, hey, yo, we don't need to hear the booing about Malik, right? It's not, don't do it directly at him. Whether or not it was or not, I kind of like that rallying of the players. 
And Mike Brable said it yesterday. Hey, fans are allowed to do what they, they want to do, right? Um, so we kind of got both sides to that. But the locker room, uh, I'll tell you, it's something different. You go from that London locker room where I thought the season was over. I really did. That, that was the vibe I got in that locker room. And then you go and cover that game on Sunday and they get the win. Locker room, totally different. Like you had a renewed hope of, of the season. And, Gary, they only have played one AFC South game. That's right. There's still a lot of opportunity here moving forward. And if you've looked around the league anytime lately, it is anybody's game any Sunday. And that I, I hate to say that cliche line, but I think this year more than ever. So I think there is hope in this Titans locker room that they can, you know, make a playoff push. And maybe that is the reason why you don't see Derrick Henry uh, going to the Ravens. And still, we have some time here with the trade deadline today, but it doesn't look like that's happening. Well, the thing with Henry is, and I know the touchdowns are down, but uh, and I know you watch every play, but I, I, I follow it pretty closely. I mean, it looks like Derrick Henry to me. I, mean, I haven't seen anything oh, yeah. from him that, it, that, that tells me at all that he's lost a step, period. I think there's just the normal expectation when a guy gets to be, you know, 29, 30 years old as a running back. Well, he's not the same. He looks like the same guy to me, Kayla. He is. I mean, I'll tell you that firsthand. I, I, again, I always go back to this is a guy who's really been for the majority of his career healthy despite the freak foot injury, which he came back from surprisingly quickly and never seemed to have an issue with it. Um, and then you see him. He's been extraordinary at home, by the way. In the three home games, uh, London counted as home, but we're not really saying that that was home because it wasn't here in Nashville. Uh, he's averaging over, uh, I think, around 101 yards per game at home in three games this season. So he's clearly still got it when they utilize him, and they did that. On Sunday, and a lot of that is in part two to Will Levis, you know, being able to make those plays downfield, something that we haven't seen from Ryan Tannehill a lot, um, especially this year. Uh, it, it helps, right? And so why would you want to get rid of that if potentially you roll with Will Levis moving forward? I think you start to get the both the best, uh, the best of both worlds if you could start using the passing game and then continue to build off of it with the run game and Derrick Henry and Tajay Spears, like, w why would you go away from that? I, I just, I, I don't know what it is about the running backs and they, it, it, they hit the age of 30. Most, yeah, they do digress. Right now, I'm not putting Derrick Henry in that category. And I really, truly think Amy Adams-Drunk sees that and is like, yeah, we can maybe get some value for him. But, you know, Rand Carthon and, and Mike Rabel, I don't think they're going to give it up unless it's something really good in return. And I just don't think that they're seeing that right now from the market. All right, Kelly, you've had a little time to kind of look into the Bayard trade. Um, and maybe he wasn't having a great year at the same time. I mean, when you just look at this, if you, if you, if you, if you want to be a contender and you're playing for this season, that seems like an odd trade. Was it, did they want him to take, I know in the, in the preseason, there was talk about they were asking him to take a pay cut. Was this a financial move? What are the details now on the Kevin Byard trade? The more I think about it, the more I think this was the plan. And I'm not saying that this was the plan, you know, for sure to do it at this time, but there was rumblings about this before the season even started. I mean, Kevin Byard has been, in terms of a trade piece, talked about for the last year or so. 
And, you know, there was all the stuff he, you know, restructured his contract like two times. And he's just such a team player. And I think he so badly wanted to retire in the two-tone blue. But I think at some point it came down to just a strictly a business decision of waiting for the right time. And ding, 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 Philadelphia Mm -hmm. needed a safety and was willing to give up a fifth and sixth rounder this year and a player. And I think you're just not seeing that in terms of trade value with safeties, especially nowadays. And so I think they knew they just had to take it. It was a a tough, obviously, decision to make. But for the value, you know, moving forward, he's not getting any more valuable. So I think you had to make it now if you had a trade partner. And boom, there it was, the Philadelphia Eagles. It's a tough thing. I've, I've covered him for the last seven seasons here. The biggest pro, the ultimate pro I've ever met in my life, right? Um, but it's part of the business. And I think that locker room, if I learned anything, uh, they moved on quickly. And I'm not saying they won't miss him, but it was business as usual. And they showed that and won that game on Sunday. It did not interfere at all with, with what happened on Sunday and the product on the field. All right, Kayla, short turnaround, as we alluded to. Uh, you're going to Pittsburgh. Normally, you would go to Pittsburgh and you'd say, oh, my gosh, you know. But that's an offense that's just in disarray. I mean, they're terrible yeah. right now on offense. We don't know who the quarterback is going to be with Pickett being banged up. Uh, can't get Najee Harris going in the, in the running game. Running game's been almost non-existent. Ooh. Uh, defensively, they can still battle you, but they're, I mean, if you're the Titans, and Ooh. I understand you got all these games left against AFC South competition, but you're three and four, this could get you to 500. You got to be thinking this is a game with the next two weeks coming at Tampa Bay, at Jacksonville that we need to get. Oh, yeah, Gary. It, it, first of all, just like I had mentioned, just to get the – you haven't won on the road off your back. I can feel that festering in that locker room. Those guys want to nip that in the butt right away. They want to get that out of the narrative, right? Um, and so the, the thing about Pittsburgh, though, as I mentioned earlier, you know, when we started this conversation, was they, they do have difficulty playing on Thursday night, but especially there. Um, Mike Vrabel, 0-2 against Mike Tomlin, like I had mentioned. And that's a rowdy environment. And mm-hmm. I don't know what it is with the Steelers. They somehow find ways to win, and especially at home. And despite that offensive, uh, you know, the offense being anemic and Matt Canada, I don't even know how he's still on the staff <laughs> I don't there. either. I, don't... I mean, you've got college game day signs saying fire Canada, but yet he's still holding on. You talk about loyalty. There's another one, Mike Tomlin. He's as loyal as they get when it comes to his coaching staff. But I think this is a great opportunity, Gary. And I think with the hype you have around Will Levis, with the defense, you know, the front in terms of the pressure that they got this last week and against Desmond Ritter, I think they feel like they're back to form a bit. I think that bye week came at at the best time for this Tennessee Titans team. I think this is your opportunity to finally go into Pittsburgh you know, wipe wipe the floorboards with them and move forward with even more motivation going into Tampa. And then, you know, you see what happens with the quarterback situation, but what, that's a pretty good problem to have, Gary, if you've got to pick between Will Levis and Tannehill, right? You're right. You're right about the Steelers too. How is that team four and three? You got to give them credit. I mean, they they beat the Ravens in a game where they they couldn't get a first down at the right. end of the game. And, uh, yeah, that's that's Pittsburgh football for you though. They can they can muck it up and and find a way to win. Well, it's a big game on Thursday night, a huge game. I'm going to be interested to see um, how Levis plays. I, I'm 
you know, again, I've, I've asked you this already, but uh, are you assuming, though, that, that Levis will start on Thursday night or are you just? Yeah. Okay. So yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm going to say I'm pretty, I'm pretty positive and we'll find out more today. But let me just say this, Jerry, if we don't have availability with Tannehill, and we did last week even, I think that was just coming off the bye week and update with his health. We are not talking to Tannehill today. The only person we're available to talk to, from what I've uh, heard, is in the locker room. We can talk to Will Levis in terms of quarterback. So, no. if if that goes to say anything, take take what you want from that. Absolutely. All right. Tell everybody where they can find you. Yeah, Ramon, Kayla, Will, one zero four five, the Zone. We've got that podcast uh, six to ten a.m. every morning, and then Twitter. Always active on that all the time. College football. Uh, NFL, whatever you want. I got it on there at Kayla Anderson TV. Thank you, Kayla. Thanks, Gary. All right, it is uh, 10.52. The YMCA of Tuscaloosa, I had uh, planned to work out today at 11.30, but something has come up, and I'll be back in there tomorrow. I love it, man. Not just in terms of the workout, but I've said this before, the community of people. It's just, you know, my schedule's pretty hectic. So when I get into the Y, it's just it's therapeutic for me. And... um I love the place. I think you will, too. 2313th Street. Go by and see them. Uh, find out more at ymcatuscaloosa.org. They've got a great website that tells you a lot about the facility, their personal training, their fitness classes. They post a schedule of all their classes, all the different programs that they offer. And uh, uh, the YMCA Wellness Week is coming up November 27th through December the 2nd. Uh, they'll have their annual Rudolph run December 2nd. And just so much going on at the Y. In addition to helping you get fit, uh, there's just a great, great uh, place to just become a part of a community and, uh, and meet some really terrific people as well. All right, we'll be back to wrap up the Gary Harris Show right after this on Tide 100.9 FM and 1230 AM WTBC. Get big savings and big rewards. Wait for when your finances are in perfect order. It just happens. But no matter what surprises come your way, Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. They offer an easy application process and fast decisions so you can stay focused on feeling good about whatever life brings your way. Alabama Credit Union will be here to help make it affordable with great personal loans, mortgages, and auto loans. Alabama Credit Union, loans for real life. Visit alabamacu.com to learn more. Some rules and restrictions apply. See if you're eligible for membership. Then join today and feel good about your money. Los Tarascos has been serving Mexican favorites like burritos, fajitas, and quesadillas since 1999. Their new location is at 4100 Owen Parkway in Northport. And, of course, you can find Los Tarascos in Tuscaloosa at 110 Skyland Boulevard. The bar areas feature big-screen television so you can enjoy your favorite sporting events. Los Tarascos features daily happy hour specials. And for the best Mexican cuisine in West Alabama, remember, the name is Los Tarascos with locations in Tuscaloosa, and Northport. 100.9 Tuscaloosa weather. We'll forecast a clearing sky today. Cool and breezy, the high 57. A freeze warning in effect tonight. Clear with the low at 31. Or tomorrow and Thursday, the sky's sunny both days. The high tomorrow 53. Thursday's high at 61. I'm James Spann on the ABC 3340 Weather Center on Tide 100.9. It's 49 degrees in Tuscaloosa. Never miss a moment of the action. Download the free Tide 100.9 app today. Adam.
Adams Family. Yeah, classic Halloween theme from a great, great show. It is 10.56. We're about to wrap it up. Hey, I do uh, want to remind you that Friday will be another Bama football trivia contest giveaway from T-Town Menswear and T-Town Gallery University Mall. We got, uh, I'll tell you more about it tomorrow, but we got a Bama LSU print. You can bet on that <laughs> with that game coming up. So we'll look forward to doing that on Friday. Alright, that's going to wrap it up. This hour has been brought to you by Patterson Comer, Attorneys at Law and uh, we're going to get you ready for Miller's Edge coming up at 11 a.m. And then it's uh, Big Noon Sports from noon until 2 and then Ryan Fowler will take you home with the game 2 until 6. And catch me on TV tonight with your local sports and with Rodney Orr at 6.30 tonight on WVUA 23 for Tider Insider TV. For Justin Jones and Noah Haynes, I'm Gary Harris. Thanks for listening, everybody, and have a great day. Thank you for listening to The Gary Harris Show on your home for Alabama sports. Tide 100.9 and streaming on the Tide 100.9 app.